you, Devin. I'm Devin. I'm Luke. And today we're going to be catching you up on Secret Wars. Secret Wars. How do you like your wars, Devin? I love it. I don't like war at all. Because you know what it's good for? What? Absolutely nothing. Oh. War leaves nothing except for the Undertaker. War is nothing but a heartbreaker. Oh. I don't remember the other lyrics. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, we got all the important lyrics. We did. Welcome to our Secret Wars. Secret special. Happening. Are things happening in Secret Wars? What should I read? So, Secret Wars. Yes. Uh, we've been building up to it for a while. There are a whole bunch of uh, prologues and tie-ins and pre-series. Okay, uh, so Jonathan Hickman was writing, Assad Rimk was doing the art, and it's the Ultimate Universe crashing into the 616, and it's the last stand of the heroes before everything is going to go up in smoke. And so, Devin, take it over with Avengers. Prologues! Okay, so basically, they kind of like nicely did with Avengers num um, Secret War number zero. Kind of like gave you a little bit of a film for what's going on. But I will say, I really feel like they needed to have put issues one and two of Secret Wars as one issue. Because if you did not read Jonathan Hickman's run on Avengers or New Avengers, it can be very confusing what's going on. Ergo, my brother, who had absolutely no idea what the hell was going on when he read my copy of issue one. Yes, Luke? Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, if you're telling someone to read Secret Wars and they're reading number one... Chances are it's not going to make sense. Why is Cyclops got the Phoenix? And who are all of these characters I don't know? To be fair, no one knows why Cyclops has the Phoenix. That has never been established. Apparently it might be established in that issue number 600, which is not coming out for like four more months. Oh, Marvel. Of Uncanny X-Men. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, but basically um, what, what you've had here with the Avengers and New Avengers was you had a bunch of the big things with the Avengers. You had Infinity which was kind of like the Avengers have now become like intergalactic celebrities now because they saved the entire freaking multiverse. But the big problem you had was New Avengers, which is where everyone's favorite group, the Illuminati, who are basically like a secret organization of some of the biggest superheroes in the world. The biggest, smartest groups. Yeah, basically. You have, you have Reed Richards on the team, Black Panther, Namor, Black Bolt, uh, Beast joins the team, Doctor Strange, and then you also have Captain America. Well, you see, there's these little things that keep happening called an incursion. Basically, it is all the different multiverses are colliding with one another, which are basically causing, if the Earth actually ends up colliding, both universes end up getting destroyed. However, as the Illuminati find out from this mystical creature called the Black Swan, who has traveled from another multiverse, if you destroy the opposite Earth, your Earth gets to live, and the rest of the universes from both universes get to live as well. Well, basically, the Illuminati try doing things. They try using the Infinity Gauntlet to stop incursions. It fails. Well, guess what? They decide they need to start blowing up planets. Well, Captain America's not going to stand for that one. So what happens? Boom. Mind wipe. Basically, after that, you have a continuous of more and more things. 
planets start getting destroyed, anger starts brewing, the Illuminati decide they can't do this anymore, Namor says fuck it to you guys, and starts making this thing called the Cabal, where yep. you have people like Thanos starts joining him, and Terex. Basically the big bads of the and, Marvel Universe. And Doom. Doom is not part of it. Oh, that's right. No, because actually, because later there's too much blood going on, and Namor actually tries going to Doom for help. And do you know what Doom says? You could have come to me first, but you did. You went to the likes of Thanos. And Doom is no one's second choice. Be gone, Namor. It's just like, fuck yeah, Dr. Doom. That's why you're the man. Doom is no one's second choice. But yeah, so basically, there's a whole bunch of incursions happening. And then, yeah, basically, that's pretty much what's been going on there until you finally hit the last one, which this ends the Avengers run. Which ends up ending with Tony and Captain America because Captain America got his mind. Steve Rogers. Steve Rogers now has his memory back, and they start having one giant throwdown where they end up dying because a building collapses on them as the world goes to shit. But you also have Doctor Doom, who you find out with along with Stephen Strange has actually been causing the the incursions from happening. Causing them to happen. Or causing them to happen, sorry. Yes, because apparently the Beyonders, who are this mystical space beings, are going to destroy the entire multiverse in one foul swoop by making the Molecule Man, otherwise a very innocuous character, he's going to blow up, basically, he's like a time bomb. And he's going to blow up every multiverse. There are time bombs in every universe, and the universes that don't have them are safe from the incursions. Yeah, if he goes around and kills them, it causes the incursion to happen. That's basically what's been happening. So basically, yeah, it's Doom is trying... Basically, he's causing incursions to happen, causing Earth to destroy, but his comment is, basically, it's... I may be killing all these worlds, but it's for the chance that some of them may survive. So that's kind of great. So Doom's been, like, kind of secretly the big bad of, like, both of these Avengers and New Avengers run, but he's also the hero of the story. Mm-hmm. Basically, all hail Lord Doom. And uh, the preludes with Avengers World, that was basically just um, mostly some character pieces for some of the newer Avengers. They gave a really nice one to Smasher, who was a cool character. She and Cannonball are now, I think they're a husband and wife now. They have a child. Also Tom. Yeah. And then also gets a more great thing for Sunspot, who has taken over AIM, who is trying to stop the Beyonders as well. Which leads Thor and Hyperion to go on one giant suicidal battle. Taking down some... Beyonders. Yep, and Hyperion is going to be coming up in our uh, Squadron Supreme, Squadron Sinister discussion. Yeah. That's going to be in a few weeks because. That's a different Hyperion. Yeah, there's a there's whole so bunch of Hyperions. many Hyperions. This is good Hyperion. Mm-hmm. And then the Miles Morales one was a pointless prologue issue. It was literally the last page where someone's like, hey, what's that over there? And everyone looks and the world's ending. And, uh,. Avengers World was written by Frank Barbary with art by Marco Ciccetto. Uh Miles Morales. Ultimate Spider-Man was by Brian Michael Bendis with art by David Marquez. And then New Avengers was by Jonathan Hickman with various artists. Bam. And so there were the Last Days line, which was sort of tying into uh, this first issue and the world's collapsing. Yes. So. Would you like to go now, Luke? Would you like to start uh, us off? Well, I'll talk about the first 
Uh, I'll talk about Captain America, and then you talk about year three, because my other two sort of take place after, in a way. Oh, okay. So, uh, one of the things that happened is that when Captain America, Steve Rogers, found out that, oh yeah, the Illuminati wiped my mind, he assembled all of the people together, and the Mighty Avengers, which were Luke Cage's sort of street-level Avengers, there's... They're the community Avengers, the people you can call up if things are going wrong in your community. They showed up, they had their big fight with the uh, Avengers and the new Avengers and these people who have been making these earth-shattering decisions without even consulting them at all. And they're righteously angry. And so Aid is really dealing with that fight and uh, their reactions. And then Nine wraps up the stories and focuses a lot on relationships. Uh, with the members on the team, the like normal people who are running the call center that the Avengers have, because you have all these people who are calling in because it's literally the end of days, and then the last thing that you see is this doctor talking to you, the reader, and he's saying, you did a good job, you, you saved a person's life, you were a mighty Avenger, I'm a mighty Avenger too, and we've just done the best that we could with what we've had and sometimes that's all you can do with it 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 is emotional and that was uh written by al ewing with art by luke ross colors by rochelle rosenberg and letters by travis lanham and normally letters i'm not always going to mention them but uh lanham's design work on pages is really good is it a must buy luke it's not necessarily a must-buy, especially if you haven't been reading the other issues, but number nine, if you are going to get one of these, I would definitely recommend it. It's such a strong standalone. It does some really inventive stuff, and I was a big fan of Captain America and the Mighty Avengers before, and just the Mighty Avengers, so yep. talk about your stuff. First off, we're going to be talking about Magneto. Master of Magnets. By Colin Bunn with art by Javi Fernandez. Basically, it's Magneto versus the Mar Ultimate Universe. Basically, it's he is taking a bu whole bunch of mutant gro growth hormone, which basically is kind of like... Steroids for powers. Yeah, basically. It's taken from like the stem cells of different other mutants so that his powers can be powered up. And basically, he's using this to try to overcharge himself to try to actually push back the ultimate Earth. Which then he also starts doing because they start sending in Sentinels also to try to crush him as well. Um, the book itself, I mean, it's fine. I mean, I recursion, it's more than fine. I really like it. But this one is kind of a necessity that you've actually read the rest of the Magneto run. It does have a nice little tie-in where it's a really nice appreciation of his father-daughter relationship with Polaris. But she's also trying to help him as well. Um, yeah, I mean, the art's really nice too. But yeah, I mean, it's a good book. But if you're not reading the rest of Magneto's run, it's kind of pointless. The other two, luckily, they're kind of more of a standalone story. So this one's I can recommend buying. First one, Black Widow. Writer by Nathan Edmondson. With art by Phil Noto. Basically, guys, the art, the art, the art. Phil Noto is, to me, the best artist who's working right now. I absolutely adore his work. He has a very, like, sketchy but realistic style. Yeah. Everything looks great. He did some great. It was, like, the 19... 
like seventies type of variant covers that he yeah, did. Yeah, it was like uh, photos that were taken of the Avengers at like just casual events. Yeah, yeah, the one that he did of um, Gwen Stacy hanging up in my office at work. But then, yeah, let's basically see. Basically, this one is kind of like a little two-part story of Natasha Romanoff. The entire like story arc so far has been going on for Black Widow. It's just kind of like her redeeming herself for like all the past terrible things she's done. Basically, read in the ledger the word that keeps getting thrown out ever since the Avengers movie came out. <laughs> um, I mean, the story's great, and it like fits in really nicely. She's kind of like thinking about all the bad things she does right before she's about to die. So that's all really good. This one's a nice little two-part story, so you can just jump in right, right in and out, but you will get more out of it if you've read the previous ones. Now, the second one is The Punisher, by, also by Nathan Edmondson, an artist by Mitch Gerards. And basically, this one is almost completely the opposite of what The Black Widow was that Edmondson also wrote, where Black Widow's kind of like a nice little character piece. This one is kind of like balls to walls, just flat-out action. I'm going to spoil it, and the first issue of Secret Wars has potentially the greatest Punisher moment ever, which is all the supervillains are drunk and are celebrating watching the heroes fail as the Earths are finally going to be destroyed. And what happens? Oh, the Punisher kicks down the door. They say when you leave this world, you can't take your material possessions. So the real question is, what am I going to do with all these bullets? <laughs> that is such a, like, fantastic one. It was so good. Mm-hmm. And this series picks off immediately after that. All the villains are dead. You said the villains are dead. And basically, the Howling Commandos pick up Frank Cass and be like, Yo, the world's going to end in, like, two days. Hey. Do you want to go destroy a terrorist cell? Do I? So basically now you have the Punisher and he's going off to go just basically make the last two days of this terrorist cells organization the worst two days ever. That's basically it. Mm-hmm. They do make it into kind of, it's actually, they make kind of Frank Castle into like kind of like a horror type figure because I really thought this was cool, was his skull on his chest is actually glowing the entire time and it like takes place pretty much entirely at night. So, like, the villains can't really see anything except for when they see him coming from far away. You just see his skull just glowing. Nice. Yeah. So, the uh, other two uh, end of day stories that I <coughs> have are Loki, Agent of Asgard, which is once again Al Ewing as the writer, Lee Garvin on art, Antonio Fabella and Andres Malsa on color. And Loki's story has been continuing through three series, uh, started with Journey into Mystery, went into Young Avengers, and now it's Loki, Agent of Asgard. And the original Loki died, uh, so a new Loki was reborn because there always must be a Loki. Uh, the remnants of the old Loki uh, tried to take over the second Loki's life because the second Loki was trying to be a good guy, and what uh, remained of the original Loki, and the second Loki became this sort of third being who was more like a gun that was used to kill the very first Loki, or well, was used to kill the second innocent Loki. And so this Loki is trying to become less of a prick, since there's another evil Loki at the end of time who has been 
basically trying to take over everything, as evil Lokis are likely to do. And he's been working on setting up the fall of Asgard. And now that time is pretty much ending along with the rest of eternity, it's time for Ragnarok. And so Loki's gathered up all of his enemies, like, uh, or all of the enemies of Asgard, like Hell and the Midgard Serpent, and he's getting ready for one final launch. And Odin has all of these machine guns, and all of the Asgardians are prepared for this war against Hell and all of the dead. And this third Loki is now the God of Lies, and, or is now the God of Stories instead of the God of Lies. And it's his, like, or, well, it's planned for rebranding because new Loki is gender fluid and keeps swapping whether he's a man or a woman. And if you've been reading Loki uh, through the arcs that I mentioned, or if you want to listen to the Journey to Misery episode on Loki, which I highly re recommend, it's less confusing. Uh, if you have been reading all of it, it's a really great story. And if nothing else, you get Odin holding a... Uh, Machine gun. Like a uh, Gatling gun. Very great. Yeah. Uh, the other one that I've been solo reading is Silver Surfer by Dan Slott, with art by Mike Allred and colors by Laura Allred. And this has been sort of Silver Surfer as Doctor Doom. Or, as Doctor Who. Doctor Who. Uh, he's been traveling around the universe with Don Greenwood, who has pretty much finally learned that he is the Herald of Galactus. Which is a horrifying thing when you know, when you realize that, oh, he's the person who's brought Galactus to millions of worlds. Millions of people are dead because of him, if not billions. But now he's sort of free, and they're heading back to Earth, uh, stopping visiting all the places that they've been to so far, when all of a sudden they see the manifestation of eternity is dying and warning them that everything is going to fall apart, and so they have to figure out what they're going to do as the universe is collapsing around them. And Allred's art really sells this. It's a weird, cosmic, spacey book. And it's a lot of fun. If you haven't been reading Silver Surfer already, it's very easy to get into. And uh, I'm not necessarily going to say this is the best jumping in point, because like it is them recapping everything they've seen so far, but it is definitely a fun story. Yeah. Uh, the last one on our list is Miss Marvel, written by G. Willow Wilson, with art by Adrian Alfona. Oh yeah, guys. Everyone loves Kamala Khan. Yeah. She's freaking adores. Uh, she's gotten her superhero life together, and as the incursion is hitting, she's trying to keep her hometown just safe. Yep. The art is fantastic. There's... As it always is. Yeah, there's, like, tiny jokes everywhere, and... We finally get the team up of Kamala and her biggest idol ever, Carol Danvers. Captain Marvel. Yep. So, I, I still wouldn't say this, is a, this isn't the issue to jump in on. And I feel sorry for my co-worker who I know has been reading the comic with his kid because when he gets to this, it's going to be like, oh, yeah, I have no idea what's happening here. But it's still... Yeah, one of my co-workers at work, she started reading... The trades when they came out after I've recommended them. It's just like, oh, yeah, you won't understand volume four. <laughs> yeah, events is tough. And this one even more so. Mm -hmm. 
And so, which I'll at least give it for this type of event because normally it pisses everyone off when it's like your book is forced into an event and it really has no purpose or meaning. At least give Secret Wars that. It all has purpose. But then you also have series that aren't really ending like Squirrel Girl. Well, yeah. Squirrel Girl is renumbering, but not getting a Secret Wars tie because Squirrel Girl would stop all being free. Yeah, Squirrel's like the only one, though, pretty much. That and um, Shield, I think, are the only two. And isn't Spider Gwen? Spider Gwen's already over. Oh, it is? Yeah, Spider Gwen was the, oh, the five issue run. She's getting rebooted afterwards. I mean, but to be fair, she is in Spider Verse. Okay, I, I stopped reading Spider Gwen. Oh, okay. Yeah. It deals nothing with yeah. the incursions and everything, but she's in Spider Verse, so I mean, it's just, I just accept she's here. Okay. Because even um, Silk and Spider Woman got last second throw ins for Secret Wars. Okay. Uh, so then the incursion happens and. Ba boom! Everything's over. Yeah. Well, except for the pieces that God Doom saved. All yeah. hail Lord Doom. All hail Lord Doom. God Doom. Yes. And so Doom basically took the chunks of the universe that he could save and smushed them up. Yep. Because he now has the power of all of the Beyonders. Because he and, fucking murked their asses. Yeah. And so he's been basically trying to keep this world together for, I believe it's been about six years, but no one else really knows what amount of time has passed. Yeah, I was going to say, it's been very confusing when you just read other theories. Yeah. Like, there... Because someone that, mentioned it's like 10 years have passed or something, like, but... Yeah, it was either six yeah. or eight years. Yeah, their their memories are fuzzy, and there's a lot of inconsistencies, but those inconsistencies make sense. Yeah. Because... They would happen. Because the only two people on this earth who remember anything is Lord Doom and Stephen Strange. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to start getting into a lot of the mini-series and continuing series, and so we'll just switch off, switch off one after another. Yeah. Uh, so but in terms of main series, it is fantastic, and everyone should be reading it. Yeah. And at the end of the episode, we are going to have a list of what you should be reading. But yeah, that main series, definitely pick it up. Especially after number two, it's like Game of Thrones with superheroes in it. Yeah. It, well, it's like a Game of Thrones world, but it feels even more epic in some ways. Yeah. And so... This even got your deaths. Mm-hmm. So the uh, first one I'm going to talk about is Ghost Racers by Felipe Smith and Juan Gideon. And Felipe Smith had been writing uh, the Ghost Rider series with uh, Jaime Reyes. No, Jaime Reyes is the Blue Beetle. This is one of them I didn't take notes for. God. Uh, uh, so yeah, Ghost Racers is pretty much Arcade has created his own coliseum, so he's having all of the Ghost Riders race, and the best one at racing is Robbie Reyes. Yeah, I, I remembered it there. And uh, Robbie Reyes was the newest Ghost Rider in the Marvel Universe, and he keeps winning, and Arcade doesn't Which like is this. bullshit. Nicolas Cage can't lose. It would be every multiverse. Nicolas Cage Ghost Rider should be there. Nicolas Cage Ghost Rider hasn't showed up, though. He should. Um, He's a multiverse. But yeah, it's sort of continuing the feeling of uh, 
the Ghost Rider series, which was very much Robbie is trying to care for his younger brother. But in this world, he's a celebrity for being who he is. And uh, one of the other things is that his relationship with his spirit is very different. Because uh, Eli, his spirit of vengeance, uh, keeps getting locked up after the races. And most of the other riders who keep on losing, because Reyes has been going on and taking like he's won a ridiculous number of matches without failing. They keep getting tortured whenever they lose, and so it's interesting to see where it's going to go. Basically, it's Mario Kart, the comic book. Mm-hmm. Is it worth purchasing, Luke? Uh, if you liked the old Ghost Rider uh, series that Felipe Smith was doing, it's worth it, or if you want to see weird, wacky ghost races. First one I'll be talking about is 1602, Angela, Witch Hunter. Which I still love based on the uh, premise because Angela was a character Neil Gaiman created for Spawn, and then Neil Gaiman created 1602 so he could sue the creator for Spawn. And in to that get lawsuit, Miracle Man back. Yeah. And in that lawsuit, he got the rights to Angela back, so now Angela is in the 1602 storyline. Yes. I mean, it's a pretty fun and straightforward... I mean, it, the book is basically what the title is. Mm-hmm. Angela goes around and kills witches. And the witch breed. Yes. Which are mutants. Yeah, basically. While serving for the monarchy of England. Mm-hmm. Because one of the things is that, like, all of the different kingdoms or uh, sections have barons and baronesses. Yeah. Who rule over everything. I mean, the art's very nice. It's very simplistic-looking type of art style, mm-hmm. but I think it, it works very well for that type of yeah. thing. And who's on the creative team? Uh, it's Kieran Gillen and Marguerite Bennett are the two writers, with Stephanie Hans on art. Cool. So would you recommend it? Um, it's kind of, I mean, it's a fun one. It's not necess- like a necess- or, sorry. It's not a necessary book, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, it's fun. Uh, up next we have Inhuman. I guess, or I guess, sorry. One of the big things is you don't really need to have a lot of background knowledge to read this book. Since, I mean, Angela's only been around for a year. Roughly a year and a half. Yeah. Uh, up next, we have Inhumans, Atalan Rising by Charles Soule and John Timms. Uh, Soule is the writer, John Timms is the artist. And it's very much a politics of Battleworld book where there is an insurrection that's happening in the human kingdom of, of Adelin, where the humans live. Medusa is the monarch of that, and she has found uh, a remnant of the terrorist cell who has led her to, which has led her, her agents and her information guide to her husband, Black Bolt, who can also talk in this universe, which is weird. And so it's a weird family drama mystery. I, I want to read more of this because there's just a lot of really neat stuff within it. The art is very fun, and it also had a weird ghost writer in it and weird Hulk. So Woo! it also feels like it's going to be one of those books that shape Battle World. And what mm-hmm. happens. Well, the next one I'm going to be talking about is one of what will be a very frequent and recurring theme for a lot of these books, which is Marvel Zombies. Uh, the writer for this one is 
Simon Sperrier, with art by Kev Walker. Basically, this has everyone's favorite monster hunter, Elsa Bloodstone. Yay! Yay! She's not exactly the biggest of characters in terms of, like, being out there all the time. She was, in the, she was in the classic 12-issue run of Next Wave Agents of Hate. And she, had, and she appears a lot of times in, like, the uh, monster society, like, evil. Yeah. Basically. Those and ones her, are good. And her brother showed up more recently in Colin Bloodstone. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He has, hasn't he? Yeah. But Elsa's sort of one of those fan characters who you can tell you're going to be in a good in time for a good story if she shows up. Yeah. She's very no-nonsense. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, basically it is she is one of the leaders on the S.H.I.E.L.D., which basically the S.H.I.E.L.D. is the giant big giant wall, wall trying to keep out the zombies, the Annihilation Wave, and, and the, the Ultrons. Ultrons. Yeah. So basically, yeah, she's starting to fight one. But oh no, while drinking her tea and shooting zombies in the face, a demon kind of teleports her all the way into the middle of the shield. Where she meets a weird little nameless child. Who they then team up and try and get out of the shields if she can go back to zombie kill him. I, I do love that she's giving her commentary throughout the tra- uh, throughout the story where it's very context-aware. She's like, oh, I found a weird child. This is certainly not going to bite uh, me in the back. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's good. Yeah, Simon Spurrier is, or Cy Spurrier is a very good writer for Elsa Bloodstone because yeah. she has a very distinct voice and I know some people haven't been a fan of how he's been attempting it, but I, I like I've liked it. The, yeah, I've liked it so far. I'm excited to see where it goes. There are two anthology series, Secret Wars Journal and Secret Wars Battle World, that are both anthology series, and usually they have like one really good story and then another pretty skippable story in both of them. Uh, you get a lot of different art. The Deadpool, or the Daredevil story that Cy Spurrier wrote is beautiful. I did not write down the name of the artist on it, but like if you're going to pick up that one, I believe it's number two yeah. of Battle World. Yeah. Uh, journal ties in a bit more into journal. Yeah, look it up and look for the Daredevil story. Yeah. He's the cook of Hell's Kitchen. Yep. Which is awesome. And it, like that story's already gotten a lot of attention. But, uh, should. Yeah, but I'll go do another one now. Uh, Age of Ultron versus Marvel Zombies, keeping on the Marvel Zombies theme, which is written by James Robinson with art by Steve Pugh and colors by Chim Chara Lapet, uh, Chara Lampetus. Sorry if I have butchered your name, Jim. And it takes place uh, over the wall in the divide between the Deadlands, which is where the zombies are, and Perfection, which is where the Ultrons are. We find out that in the world where this Ultron came from, he had killed his creator, Hank Pym. And then all the Ultrons killed the Avengers. And so now the timely uh, version of Hank Pym, which is the cowboy town, has been sent over the wall for trying to get Adamantium to make his own Ultron. But he ends up getting uh, caught up with a third party that exists out there that's not the Annihilation Wave. And it also turns out that the Ultrons are going to work with the zombies, which is uh, not a good thing, but there's some cool art. It's an interesting premise. 
but this is sort of post-Starman James Robinson, which is not always the best stuff. True that, bruh. Okay, what I got next is the fantastic Master of Kung Fu. Writer Hayden Blackman with artist Dalibor Telajik. And covered by Francisco Francovino. Yay! Basically, I, I love every time Marvel publishes a Shang-Chi miniseries, which I wish they would do more frequently. Because it doesn't need an ongoing plot. I actually dislike what, if they would try to do like an ongoing plot Shang-Chi story. But basically, his books are basically a Bruce Lee kung fu film. And it's great. Simple plot, lots of great action, usually lots of great art. Uh, this one basically is dealing with all the different, like, kind of like Asian type clans or like groups from the Marvel Universe, like the Ten Rings, the Iron Fists, like those type of groups shall um, come on. All of them basically have their own, like, little squads who are trying to do battle for their particular region. Now they ended up getting over their war and what they do is I think it's like every 12 years there's a battle where one master from all of the different schools battle and whoever wins gets to become king for the next 12 years. And Shang-Chi is the disgraced um, son of the current leader who has now decided that he's going to try to stop being just a drunkard because he's now like actually wanted for murder and supposed to be put to death and is leading the Morlocks to make their own new Morlock school and are going to try and take back the game. That sounds pretty awesome. It is really awesome. Uh, so up next we have Runaways, which is written by Noel Stevenson with art by Sanford Green, uh, colors by John Rauch, and letters in production by VCs Clayton Cowles, who Clayton Cowles is pretty much doing the letters for half of the books in Secret Wars, and there are a lot of books. And it takes place at Victor Von Doom's Institute for Gifted Youth, which is where the best and brightest students going to become the Doom Youth. And it's supposed to be the best students, and we're focusing on the uh, ones who end up in detention, which includes Sana Strand, Jubilee, Pixie, Amadeus Cho, Delphine Gorgon, Scar, Molly Hayes, Cloak, Dagger, and Bucky. And Bucky! It's your uh, sort of boarding school... Misadventure meets uh, sort of like anything where you've got kids in a military school trope. Uh, if you don't like the creative team, which are famous for Nimona and, uh, well, Noel Stevenson is famous for Nimona and Lumberjanes. Lumberjanes is awesome. And if you aren't excited about the like team of characters, because that is an awesome team of characters, you're, you're wrong and you should pick up this book. Even if you have no familiarity, this is one of them that, like almost all the early Runaway series, you can give to anyone and they will enjoy. Pixie needs to get put into more of the X-Men titles. Mm-hmm. That's Devin's two cents. All right, next one I will cover, actually, is Star-Lord and Kitty Pride. Now. By Sam Humphreys with art by Palti Hermansia. Basically, this one takes place after Secret Wars number four, so I'm not going to try to spoil anything. But basically, you have Star Lord, who is from Earth 616. He is kind of on the run from the Victor Von Doom because he does remember everything from beforehand. What? Oh, fine. Anyway, yes, basically, what you have here is you're going to have Peter Quill's kind of on the run from Victor Von Doom's guards because. 
he happens to remember everything prior to Battle World. But the one thing he does remember is his love for his fiance, Catherine Pride. Shadow Cat. Shadow Cat. Everyone loves Kitty. But anyway, basically, he is now hiding out, pretending to be Steve Rogers at a club run by Drax the Destroyer, where he is the singer every single night. And he basically just keeps singing Disney songs because Disney did not exist in that universe. <laughs> and they have, and he, um, it starts off with him singing part of that world, or part of your world rather, and everyone thinks it's great. <laughs> and it's finally he does see Kitty Pride does enter the building, and it's him trying to win back the love of his life. Um, so at the moment, there's only been one issue out so far, so, but it looks like this one could have a pretty big impact on the rest of the ongoing um, world. Mm-hmm. Just because, I mean, this is the first book that's really dealt with someone who does remember anything prior to Battle World. Mm-hmm. And speaking of people who remember things prior to Battle World, we have Korvac Saga by Dan Abnett with art by Otto Schmidt and colors by Chris Peter. And it focuses on Baron Korvac, who controls the Forest Hills, which is the domain next to Simon Williams' Hollywood. Because Simon Williams was an actor before he became Wonder Man. And so it's he's the king of Hollywood. And uh, Korvac's, uh, citizen, or Korvac's special guard is made of the original Guardians of the Galaxy. Not the ones you saw in the movie, except for Yondu, who is really different. And uh, Simon's team is made up of the old West Coast Avengers. And there has been this increasing number of outbreaks where normal citizens have been turning into monsters. And then uh, when they get defeated, they start mentioning the stars. Because on Doom World, there are no stars. True. And the the hook comes in because Korvac's wife, who, like in the main comics, he has killed people before he has destroyed you. And it's trying to get her back. She started to develop the madness herself as uh, Baron Simon Williams has come in to visit his kingdom and Korvac is horrified that Simon is trying to take over. And so it's a weird political book, but it's also sort of about dealing with mental illness within the family. And then there's also a lot of action and the art is really fun and stylized. Well, so, I, I was not really excited about getting this book before because my last experiences with the Korvac saga have been, oh, wow, this story sucks. Hey, uh, there was a great, like, what, two episodes of Avengers Earth Mightiest Heroes that dealt with it. I thought that was pretty good. But uh, this is actually really, really cool. So I'm a fan of that. Okay, well, the next one I'll be talking about is Red Skull, writer Josh Williamson with artist Luca Pizzari. This is actually kind of a really fun book. I mean, it kind of takes off of what people know of the Suicide Squad, or kind of more like a Death Race type event. Or like Thunderbolts? Or like Thunderbolts. Well... Thunderbolts has had a few different iterations. It's a little bit different with the sense of basically there's a small band of Doom Dissenters who are basically being forced to try to find the Red Skull who's lost somewhere beyond the, the Siege and the Shield. Because basically... The Red Skull once challenged Dr. Doom as the Almighty God, and people worship the Red Skull sometimes instead of Doom. Doom wants to make sure that his head is in a box, (laughs) so that it can be displayed for everyone. (laughs) Nice. 
And basically, yeah, you have a team of Electro. Um, let's see, Magneto's on the team. Uh, Bucky's on the team. And a few other people. And they're basically just all being sent in. Um, one of the great things is Crossbones is their leader who is sending them in because he's one of the few people who has ever escaped the shield. And basically, it, you will have it in the little picture caption page. You have my best part, which is Electro is very obnoxious and just keeps asking like ridiculous questions. And then finally, um, when Crossbones is giving some big speech of like what, how to actually succeed in their mission, he's like, wait, can you repeat that? Oh, I wouldn't worry about it. You're probably going to be the first to die anyway. <laughs> and that is one thing. Uh, if you visit the website, we are going to have like pages to show the art from all of these issues. So check that out on our website, multiversalq.com. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, this one isn't... I don't know how much of like... This is just a nice, fun story. Mm-hmm. And it is kind of cool because this one is kind of like one of the books it's actually shown that there's actually been outright revolt against doom before that there's like another figure that people also worship instead of our lord god doom mm-hmm. all hail doom all hail doom we have thor's by jason aaron and uh art by chris sprouse and chris sprouse i found out is a columbus based artist yeah yeah and this is like the thor cops nypd series but uh, here, Beta Ray Bill and Ultimate Thor are leading a investigators on a string of murders that have been taking place across Battleworld. And uh, it, it is a police procedural. Sprouse is a wonderful artist. He did Tom Strong, which is one of my all-time favorite series. He's, he can like rotate between very comedic and very realistic quite well. He's great at showing emotions and like different body types. All the Thors look Right, there's like Root Thor and yeah. Thor Frog. Frog shows up. And I like that this one focused also on Beta Ray Bill and um, Ultimate Thor. Mm-hmm. Their two choices. Yeah, because everyone's sort of racist to Beta Ray Bill. Yeah. Except for you, Ultimate Thor. You love him. Mm-hmm. Talk more about that shield with Siege by Kieran Gillen with art by Felipe Andrade. Okay, basically, Siege. You have everyone's favorite leader, former leader of S.W.O.R.D., Abigail Brand. S.W.O.R.D. was the people who stopped bad aliens from getting hurt yeah. most of the time. Except Basically. they were also usually the first target that got shot down. Basically. But anyway, yeah. It's really kind of cool to see. Like, she's, she is basically the leader of the S.H.I.E.L.D. Of trying to keep back all the bad things that are trying to get through. And basically she has lots of great zany imaginative ways of destroying them, such as building a giant cyclops like visor and then having every cyclops from every single region because as she's cloned all the summers basically and just have them all just zap <laughs> at the same time through the glass and just basically just like murdered an annihilation wave. That is awesome. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> okay, I want to read this now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just called the Summer Squad, and it's just, like, all the summers. (laughs) And, yeah, so, I mean, it's kind of a uh, nice thing. This one is kind of, I think, one of the few important books, too, also, because some big stuff happens. But more importantly, um, this is one of the few times that Thanos is mentioned, because through other stuff that's happening that I don't want to spoil, he's one of the characters that doesn't seem to be appearing anywhere else. So this is because because he's like a space type character. Well, no, he's also appeared in 
another comic, but which one? The Nova Corps. Uh, Nova Corps. I'm blanking on the title of it. Uh, Guardians of Nowhere. No. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, Thanos is also there. Oh, I but read that's that. also set over in. Oh, well, I haven't read. Yeah, Infinity Gauntlet. But yeah. anyway, yeah, but this is kind of like a hint that Thanos is going to be a big problem here soon in the future. Because, that I'll mention this when we get to the next book, too. Um, yeah, basically, it's Thanos is going to spell doom here in the next couple of issues. And then we have the disappointing ultimate end. Yeah, let's all talk about ultimate end. By Michael Bendis and Mark Bagley, which is really confusing on what's happening... Because it's like the Avengers from the six one six New York survived, and so did the Ultimate Event, the Ultimate from the Ultimate Universe. But certain characters are there who are already dead or have been like dead for like a while, or they've appeared in other places. It's or yeah, there there's a few characters who are there who shouldn't be there for different reasons, yeah, I, and it's very confusing as to what's happening. Especially since Bendis got to write this Bang series. And it's like it's just like such a shame right now, just because it's the two men who created essentially they created the Ultimate Universe mm-hmm. with Ultimate Spider-Man number one back in two thousand, which was a fantastic jumping on point for all readers. I mean that's what that's how I started reading comics yeah. was. But uh, yeah, here it, it feels like it's it sort feels, of choking. For it her. feels like yeah, like it is just crashing and burning, which is just a sad way for the Ultimate Universe to go because. It's basically going to be assumed the Ultimate Universe is not walking out of mm-hmm. this. Yeah. And the big thing, too, is it's... I really feel bad because, like, I feel like... Question mark. Because, like, I feel like I always need to keep reading it because I feel like this could be really affecting how... Not necessarily Secret Wars is going to go, but how everything after Secret Wars is going to go. Because mm-hmm. we already know that Miles Morales is going to be getting his own series. And he's also going to be on the new Avengers. Yeah, too. exactly. So, I mean, we have one Ultimate character that's going to be making it... He has an entire support cast team that is not in the 616 universe. So it's basically, like, I feel like there's going to be, like, showing who's going to be making it from the Ultimate Universe and who's not. Except that it's also sort of got the ultimatum problem where they're just filling people willingly. Yeah, for no But reason. let's, let's, you probably shouldn't read it in any case. Because well, you might need to. If you like the Ultimate Universe, you might need to read it. But, I mean, you'd be fine letting them just think that they all got off of the incursion. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about War Zones, the War Zone series. Uh, up first, I've got E is for Extinction by Chris Burnham, who did a whole bunch of artwork for Grant Morrison on his uh, Batman run, and Ramon Villalobos, friend of the show. Yeah. And E for Extinction is uh, taking place in a universe where... Uh, Grant Morrison's X-Men never really ended and went on to the next generation. So it's Magneto and his special class that he had been training of sort of the special needs mutants, the people with weird powers, and mutants are now the standard. In fact, if you want your kid to succeed, you want them to be a mutant. And it's dealing with this very different culture where uh, not only are humans being outpaced, but with all of these second and third mutations setting in, you have like Cyclops and Emma Frost who are feeling vastly inadequate. And 
If you've read Morrison's run, definitely pick this up. If not, it's going to be really weird. But if you have read Morrison's run and you get to the second page, you're going to know whether or not you want to read this series. Yeah. I, I, I'm, this is my jam. Yeah, no, it's great. Uh, next one is another X-Men series. It's called Inferno. It's written by Dennis Hopeless with art by Javier Garon. And I really enjoy this series, which a lot of reviews I've read for it have been kind of mixed on it. Basically, it is the Inferno storyline, which is basically when Hell came to Earth from Limbo. Basically, never stopped. And basically, demons are just running everywhere. Well, unfortunately, Colossus isn't pleased with that because his poor little sister, Magic... Yana. Poor little snowflake is still lost in this. He goes hunting for her every single year, and every year he gets his ass kicked. But in this one, it's also it's kind of been him just trying to. Re- it's all about him like trying to rescue his sister, basically. So it's a nice little bit there. You get um, Madeline Pryor factors into it quite heavily as well, and a few other X Men things. Basically, I really like this because, I mean, it's kind of plays, it's not like a full-on horror one, but it has more of like a cool supernatural element to it, just because, I mean, everyone in the series is pretty much a monster or a demon. We're just running around, and Colossus has a pretty cool big-ass sword. Iliana! Snowflake! Uh, up next, we have Planet Hulk, written by Sam Humphreys, with art by Mark Lamming, and Captain America and his best pal, Devil Dinosaur, are champions of arcades. Uh, Coliseum and sort of the gladiator fights. Arcade's got like business in all adventures. Yeah, Arcade's murder world is actually a thing, and we haven't really gotten much like reason for why, but I like to think it's because Doom and Arcade were sort of like murder friends back in the 616. Previously on the Murder Friends. Doom, did you leave this corpse of Reed Richards in my fridge? I am Doom, do not doubt me. Doom. <laughs> uh, Captain America is really pissed off uh, that he has to keep fighting in the Coliseum, and so he's sent off uh, as a not necessarily a ward, uh, not necessarily a reward to Greenland, where he's supposed to hunt down Bucky, but Greenland is where all of the Hulk are. Yes. So it's Captain America and Devil Dinosaur, who's literally a giant red dinosaur who stomps and creates earthquakes, trying to find. Bucky Bones. In a land of holes. Yep. That's pretty great. Mm-hmm. And this, for all you listen to past episodes, this gladiator, Steve Rogers, is much better than the one that Mimic kicked his ass. Yep. Back in Scrawdiators. Okay, I'm going to skip that one because this is the last one I'm going to talk about. Next up, we got Armor Wars. Writer James Robinson, with art by Markio Takara. Basically, this is kind of a little cool thing. Basically, it is everyone has an Iron Man suit, because if you take your suit off, you will die in about mm, 20 seconds. Because there's some pretty crazy disease that's been killing people off. And no one knows why, but Spider-Man might know why. Oh, too bad he gets killed off on page two. You mean they stole my idea for Spider-Man? Yes. It's actually when I was reading it for the first time, I'm like, oh, hey, it's that character we created. <laughs> Except our version was different. Incredibly different. But basically, there's a big um, battle in control for the city by Tony and Arno Stark. Arno Stark is Tony's brother, kind of this revealed during one of the last runs of Iron Man. 
Um, basically, I mean, it's a cool story. It, um, they're kind of like playing up what the mystery of the disease is going to be. We still haven't found out at the end of issue three. Probably going to learn in the end, within the next couple issues. This one's kind of cool because they do it every once in a while some of the series where they kind of have like the Thors from that universe are still kind of like pals with the Barons mm-hmm. because um, James Road, Ro- um, War Machine, is the Thor of this universe. Yeah. And it's his armor's pretty sweet looking, which I really have to dig this art for. But basically it is, he has like a giant, your classic Thor armor, but it's all bulked out into an Iron Man suit. And he basically has like a giant metallic hammer. Yeah, like a Warhammer. Yeah. Uh, up next, we have Squadron Sinister, which is written by Mark Guggenheim, with pencils by Carlos Pacheco, inks by Mariano Taibo, colors by Frank Martin, and letters by VCs Joe Caramanga, who did the other letter in this. And it's the story of Hyperion and the Squadron Sinister, who are pretty much the evil Justice League analogs who have been annex- uh, annexing neighboring kingdoms. And for the most part, they've been setting up puppet rulers, but a uh, Thor, Iron Thor, shows up because Doom is like, hey, you guys keep taking over lands, and that's not really keeping with my law. And you don't then, fucking break the law of yeah. our lord, mighty Doom. And then Iron Thor shows up dead, and this is before Hyperion is going to like launch one of his next campaigns. And so that's, he's got like 24 hours to find a person who murdered him. And meanwhile, almost every other member of the team is trying to work against him or work for their own goals. And so it's very inner politics and it's a neat way to sort of explore how everything works within the universe. Also, the Affrightful Four show up. Hmm. Next up, we got Captain Marvel and the Carol Corps with writing by the lovely Kelly Sue DeConnick. With art by David Lopez. Basically, I mean, from based off the title right alone, the Carol Corps is basically the giant fandom that has come around Carol Danvers, aka Captain Marvel. In real life. In real life, yes. And this is kind of great because it brings back the Banshee Squadron that Kelly Sue created back in the first initial run, first like four or five issues of Captain Marvel. And basically, they're a super sweet Air Force Academy, basically with Carol flying around with her Captain Marvel powers and everyone else trying to see if they can shoot her for fun <laughs> in their um, plans. But basically, because they're off up in the sky, they're kind of always wondering, Carol keeps wondering what lies beyond that. Because as mentioned with the whole um, Korvac saga, there's no stars. Basically, there's believed to be no sky. Uh, I mean, even the sun itself. Yeah. I mean, it's... Johnny Storm yeah. is what it turns out to be the sun. The Human Torch is the sun. For disobeying Doom. Yes. No question, Lord Doom. No. All hail Doom. All hail Doom. All hail Doom! And yeah, so basically, I mean, this whole thing is basically just them starting to question what lies beyond our borders, what actually could be beyond space and sky. Up next, we have 1872, which was written by Gary Duggan with art by Nick Varela and colors by Lee Lowridge. And it's Ben Urich reporting the story of the town of Timely, where uh, Steve Rogers is the sheriff. Tony Stark is a drunk technologist. Uh, Will, uh, Dr. Bruce Banner is a actual doctor. And Wilson Fisk is the mayor who's been trying to lynch Red Wolf for fighting against him. 
Steve is not really happy with this because Steve is a good sheriff, and so Fisk has called in a bunch of people from outside of town to rub them out. And it's a bit slow moving, but I have a soft spot for cowboy versions of people. Yeah, no, so, I, I, was, I really liked it when I read it. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, the next one we have up next is uh, Civil War, with um, it's being written by Charles Soule, and Leno Yu is doing the art. Basically, you have the classic um, Civil War storyline, which is basically the Superhuman Registration Act, which is basically, if you have superpowers, you must register with the government. If not, you're in trouble. Thanks, Obama. Yeah, hashtag thanks, Obama. Well, anyway, the war kind of kept going on for like five years because a bunch of stuff went down and a whole bunch of people died. So now there's basically two nations from the United States. You have the Iron, which is ruled by Tony Stark, a.k.a. Iron Man. And then you have the Blue, which is run by Steve Rogers. Well, basically, the Steve Rogers place is kind of like a crap hole wasteland, where Iron Man is like beloved by everyone and runs a pretty nice country. And basically the entire, the first issue's only come out so far, and basically it's just them sitting down to have a talk to see if maybe they can actually patch up this country but things are kind of going down about whether or not they can actually finally bring broker peace. Some of it didn't make a whole lot of sense, such as the fact of, classically in the story, Spider-Man ends up joining Captain America's team, and Spider-Man's not sure if he wants to see Tony Stark because there's bad blood. And basically, now um, Tony brings Mary Jane as kind of like a peace offering. To like, to, like, show that there's no hard feelings, and, like, they're so happy to see each other. They haven't seen each other, I guess, in six years, but to me, it was just kind of like, why, why didn't she just go over to Captain America's side? Yep. Uh, so, next we have Future Imperfect, which is written by Peter David, with art by Greg Land. Sigh. And uh, colors by Nolan Woodard. And it takes place in Dystopia, which is where Maestro, who is generally an evil, super genius version of the Hulk from the future, Reigns, and the story mostly focuses on a team of rebels who have been trying to take down Maestro before, and uh, Maestro really has his own plans where he wants to instead take over all of the world, and it's... I have not read any Future Imperfect stuff before, like there's a lot of storylines that focus on it, and eventually we'll get to it, but this is not selling me on it. It's got Greg Land art, which I'm not a big fan of. He's been improving over the past several years, but I could also probably find the sources where he traced most of the artwork very quickly if I wanted to, and the book is apparently going to be important because Maestro is trying to top, topple over Doom, but yeah, it's, it is what it is. Yeah. I'm getting it because we're trying to cover everything. Next up, we have Deadpool Secret Secret Wars. Basically, if you enjoy Cullen Bunn's other like little mini Deadpool series, you'll enjoy this one. This one really has... Oh, sorry. And once again, we have Arch. Who is that? Deadpool Secret Secret Wars. Uh, Matteo Loli is doing the art. But basically, this takes place not in this Secret Wars, but in the original Secret Wars from the 1980s. And it's basically, Deadpool is a character who's not created until the 1990s, so even in some of the more recent runs of uh, Deadpool, they've been kind of like inserting him back into classic 
Marvel literature. And it's, this is actually what Deadpool is doing during Secret Wars. It's a super fun book. Colin Bunn knows how to write the character perfectly well. Art's great. They even managed to like capture a lot of like how it kind of looked in the 1980s. I really love that Colin Bunn also made a lot of like the expository like word bubbles like overly long, just like comics used to be. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, the like, first time I tried reading that first Secret Wars, I got like three pages and I was like, God, this is super long. Why does everyone like this? So much text, and yeah, they they continue so much text there too. Which is even definitely even remarks upon it too, and yeah, I mean, like, so yeah, it's a great book, but not really, not at all relevant to this particular Secret Wars. This is kind of like a great one just to kind of read on its own. Mm-hmm. Up next, we have Modoc Assassin, which is written by Chris Yost with pencils by Amo Carpina, uh, inks by Amo Carpina and Terry Pallet, and colors by Rochelle Rosenberg, and pretty much. Uh, Modoc is the Barry Sue. He is the best killer in all of Killville, which is like murder Las Vegas, where all the assassins live. And everyone is sort of tired of him, but he's broken no laws, so they just keep waiting for him to make a mistake. And then a Thor version of Angela shows up, and he's just made a huge mistake. He fell in love. <sighs> and my biggest complaint is that while the art is solid, David Lapuente did the covers. And I wish he also did the interiors. And it's also not really as over the top as I'd like it to be. Like, they need like three or more extension arms where it's like extra rockets and like sharks and stuff like that. It needs to be a bit more comedic and cartoony than I think it is. Yes. Uh, Basically, now the next one I'm going to be covering is Guardians of Nowhere, which, guess what? Also features Thor Angela. She basically shows up trying to find Gamora. And when yeah, she ends up finding Gamora, she gets the crap kicked out of her by the Guardians of the Galaxy. So that's not Though, what she ends up. Without Peter Quill. Hmm. Fun fact. But yeah, this one's kind of nice because in a lot of these stories, everyone's starting, you can see there's like little cracks in like everyone starting to think maybe something's going on. This one, if you've actually read Brian Michael Bendis, who wrote this one with art by Mike Diodata, if you've actually been reading his previous Guardian storyline, um, we just finished up the story arc called The Black Vortex, where basically Gamora and a couple other characters got these super awesome cosmic powers, which kind of let them see beyond like space and time, basically. So she is basically seen, she can see kind of past everything, and makes a comment about Thanos as well. Which is also why I keep thinking this is going to be leading to something big. Mm-hmm. Also, that's the one thing too is they all live on nowhere, which is the giant head of the celestial, which is actually outside of everything. So that's the other thing that I've also noticed too is it's kind of like contradicting some of everything else, saying there's nothing beyond space, mm-hmm. but clearly there is. Doom knows that, and at least some of the Thors know it. Uh, up next, we have Secret Wars. 2099, which is written by Peter David with art by Will Sliney, uh, colors by Antonio Fabel and Andres Mossa, and it's a, uh, 2099 was the future universe where you had like Spider-Man 2099 and a whole bunch of other future characters, but you never had a Avengers team show up, Yeah. and so this has Captain America, who is uh, sort of a, well she's a female version of Omak pretty much, where uh, when she is Captain America, 
She is like the super strong leader of the team. She is ripped as hell. But when she's not, she has no idea what she has been doing. And she has like a family who, like everyone thinks that she's just a secretary at uh, a big corporation. Hercules, the god, is on the team. Except that he is shit. Like he pretty much tries to rape women if they won't sleep with him. And he is a like asshole who is constantly getting called out on that. Uh, Hawkeye actually has hawk wings. Nice. Uh, Black Widow is a woman who kills people, kills men who she sleeps with after sleeping with them, just like the real spider. I was gonna say. And uh, Iron Man has his own secret, and they're all under the control of Miguel O'Hara, aka Spider Man twenty ninety nine. But it's sort of confusing on why he has such a dysfunctional team, and but the team really does seem interesting it works well it, it definitely has some weird ideas like defenders 2099 show up and like the hercules stuff is just really weird how it keeps happening and the black widow thing sort of skirts slider supposed to be where it's hard to tell if it's done for comedic purposes or it's supposed to be like actually shocking and horrifying if it's supposed to be shocking and horrifying then earth 616 daredevil should probably change his name to uh, Black Widow. <laughs> but he doesn't really kill Sad it. but true. Well, he doesn't, but yeah. <laughs> they all die. And the uh, the book feels weird at times, but has some cool ideas, and the art is solid. And, I mean, while I'm not into future imperfect, this one I, I'd recommend if you were intrigued. What's another one of this, too, which is nice with Peter David creating the, pretty much the 2099 universe since he created a... Spider-Man 2099? Mm-hmm. Actually, didn't he write... Actually, never mind, because I think he wrote Future Imperfect, the original series, too. Yeah. Yeah, so never mind. Okay, next one is by far the one I didn't care for at all. Hail Hydra by Rick Remender with art by Roland Bashi. Okay, basically, here's how it is. If you did not read Rick Remender's Cats in America run, like I did not, I have no freaking clue what is happening. I've you read Remender's Cats in America run. I read part of Remender's Cats in America run. You oh. need to read all of it. Because oh. it all has to do with Dimension Z uh-huh. and everything like that, and his son. And, like, I mean, basically, Hydra is in control of New York City. This one, I guess, the only the one interesting thing is it's. I'm trying to figure out if Dimension Z still exists. Because his. Um, technically, the son of Arnim Zola, who's raised by Steve Rogers, comes out from Dimension Z and is surprised to see that Hydra's in charge. So, like, maybe it hasn't been affected by Doom. Yeah, basically. Or, I guess, by the Beyonders. Like, Dimension Z might be some, like, little pocket universe that wasn't affected. Yeah. Because he doesn't seem to know what the hell's going on. Uh, I mean, okay. so they just got that thing, but no, it wasn't. Yeah. Uh, up next, we have A-Force by Marguerite Bennett and G. Willow Wilson. Uh, pencils by George Molina. Inks by Craig Yoon and Walden Wong with colors by Laura Martin. And A-Force was sort of pitched as the book to, like, bring in a lot of female readers since it's the all-female Avengers team. But it's definitely weighed down by Secret Wars in a way that a lot of the other books don't really feel like they are weighed down by it. But none of them are also being pitched the same way as, oh yeah, this is the book that everyone needs to read. Uh, The art is interesting in moments, but it's also weird that you don't have more female, like, illustrators on the book, I guess, because that leads to a 
few TNA problems with it, which, once again, if you are trying to make it appeal to women, not saying that TNA is necessarily bad. Or that every male artist does that. Yeah, well, yeah, but you could have gotten a much better art team for this. Uh, but yeah, the parts feel unwieldy since they don't give much time to uh, actually like save the world and compared to the clean world building world building in the existence of uh like Miss Marvel because I have like no familiarity with Marguerite Bennett's work it, it this book just feels disappointing I wanted like a team of Miss Marvels or, yeah I only read the first issue but yeah I wasn't thrilled by it which I really felt like I should be yeah it's way too much about politics and not in a fun way yeah it's hard to understand politics. And especially, too, just because I'm sorry, like, at least the way that it starts off, like, with America Chavez getting sent away to the Shield, it's just like, you did technically break Doom Law. Yeah. Like, technically, you are, I mean, like, if you're following by the rules of this world, you are actually in the wrong and should be sent there. Yep. So it's just like, so yeah, it's just like them trying to, they could, they could have handled everything better. The next one we got here is Old Man Logan. With Man, Old Man Logan. And we got Brian Michael Bennis, Andrea Sorrentino on art. Basically, as we've covered Old Man Logan recently in one of our issues. Episodes. Episodes, rather. Yes. Basically, what we have here is it kind of continues the story. Old Man Logan is kind of just traveling around. And basically, the one thing that's... The first issue was kind of cool because he does take down, not the king, yeah, it's a gladiator, basically, who has kind of like a team up of like other people dressed up like super villains, or superheroes, rather. It's got some really cool action scenes. It kind of brings you back into why you liked Old Man Logan as a character. Second issue wasn't quite as good. The one thing that it did that was really cool, though, was it did actually have Old Man Logan cross from his realm into the Age of Apocalypse's realm. Which, really, up until this point, we really haven't had any character do that before. Mm-hmm. So, like, no one's like, I mean, like, everyone even kind of, like, acknowledges that there's other realms, but no one actually, like, goes to them. Yeah, because it's against Doomwall. It's against Doomwall, exactly. Because, I mean, like, actually, the second he does it, he is hunted down by one of the Thors, because yeah, you can't do that. Like, that happens in a Modoc Assassin, where a Sentinel, like, Modoc tricks a Sentinel into walking into his realm, so he can just kill it yeah. for fun. Because can't break Doom Law. Mm-hmm. All hail mighty Doom. All hail Doom. Uh, up next we have Infinity Gauntlet, which is written by Justin Weaver and Gary Duggan, with art by Justin Weaver, and it's about a family that's trying to survive uh, against the Annihilation Wave because there's just giant killer insects that are trying to get them. And Justin Weaver, like he does amazing art on this. It, it's about a family that's trying to survive, and then uh, their mother, who had been missing, who was a member of the Nova Corps, shows up, and they reveal that they have an Infinity Stone, and Thanos is also after that Infinity Stone. Oh, yeah. But they also all get to become Nova Corps members, and there's a Nova Corps dog. It's a series with a Nova Corps dog, Devin. That's pretty cool. Yes. It is amazing. Greg Lantern didn't have a Greg Lantern dog. It had Nort. Whatever. I didn't read no Greg Lanterns. In Rotmoth fan. Yeah. But no, uh, Infinity Gauntlet is definitely worth picking up. 
the art is beautiful, the designs are great. Yeah. Really good. Next up we got Spider Island with writing by Christos Gage and art by Paco Diaz. Here on Spider Isle. And basically, Spider Island, Christos Gage is really good at writing all the Spider-Man characters. Basically over like the last five or six years, Dan Slott wasn't writing it. Like Avenging Spider-Man or like Superior Spider-Man team up, it was always Christos Gage doing it. So he, he knows his way around this world pretty damn well. But anyway, basically it's you have Spider Island, which is where the evil Spider Queen is basically turning everyone into giant spiders. Basically, that did never get cured by Peter Parker because he actually kind of gets murdered because some of the Avengers get turned into spiders and kill him. Uh, it's kind of a zombie story, but it does have enough twist to keep it fresh and a bit more original. And I don't want to spoil what happens at the end of issue one. It is amazing. But it's great. Yes. And yeah, uh, actually the second issue sitting right in front of me. I just got it today. I'm excited to see where it goes. Oh, yeah. And um, it's also really cool, too, because at the at least at the end of issue one, let me check this one, too. Yep, it's continuing as well. Um, the team that created Spider-Girl, there's a backup issue. The about, original Spider-Girl. Yeah, the original Spider-Girl, Mayday Parker. Um, the guys who created her, she is has a little backup story in every single issue now. Mm-hmm. And it's been pre- that's been pretty good so far, too. Uh, up next, we have Captain Britain and the Mighty Avengers, which is by Al Ewing, with pencils by Alan Davis, inks by Mark Farmer, and colors by Will Quintana. And this is sort of the follow-up to Captain America and the Mighty... Uh, or no, this is Captain Britain and the Mighty Defenders. This is the sequel to Captain America and the Mighty Avengers. And it takes place in Yinsen City, which was a world that came where when Tony Stark and Yinsen were trapped in the cave by whatever terrorist group put them in for your time period. Yep. Uh, Tony Stark ended up sacrificing himself so that Yinsen could live, and Yinsen became rescue, and he started fixing the world, which he has flashbacks, and he's trying to understand why this world doesn't make sense with his memories, because it, it literally would not make sense, because he's never met Tony Stark, because Tony Stark still exists. And they're alive. And Yinsen City, which is this like beautiful liberal paradise, is next to Mondo City, which is pretty much a Judge Dredd-style megacity where... It's megacity one. <laughs> yeah, where the only thing separating it is a wall that is kept up by Doom's Law. And so pretty much everyone in the town is trying... And Yinsen City is trying to deal with all of these, like, ethical quandaries that they have and like solving problems and just asking moral questions the uh, Thor that they have is She-Hulk and her hammer is a gavel Yeah, because she says that both of her, she holds up her fists and are like, these are my real hammers the hammer is is my penis and uh, bam, Captain Hammer reference, did you catch it? yeah, no you didn't and then uh, Fazia Hussein, who was the Captain Britain from the 616, uh, or no, from the Age of Ultron, shows up. And she has Excalibur, like the legendary sword. And she basically cuts into Yinsen City, and they're like, okay, well, we can't let her go back out to the desert and keep on wandering. So we'll let her in, which breaks Doom Law. Doom hears that they're all ready to break Doom Law, and so he's like, oh, well, if you're ready to break Doom Law, 
I'm going to break this wall. That's Doom Law 2. And so then you have the uh, Mega City, Mondo City 1 people rolling in. So you have uh, Luke Cage as the Judge Dredd. You have Emma Frost as the psychic. You have War Machine as the tank. And it is... God, I'm so damn excited about this. It was great. Yeah. Al Ewing is a guy who got to start writing British comics, and he still does. And so having him take over the Mondo City that Jeff Parker created in his run on Thunderbolts is fantastic. Next up, we got Fighter Verse, written by Mike Costa and Andre Arojo. This one's a little bit disappointing, not going to lie. Basically, you have the team up from a bunch of the characters from the Spider-Verse comic that just ended uh, earlier this winter. Um, basically, your team up is Spider-Gwen, Spider-Man Noir, Spider-Ham. You got so, um, Spider-Girl. You also have uh, Spider-Man UK. And then you also have Spider-Man India. Um, but, I mean, the storyline itself is kind of a little jumbled. This one is kind of causing into questions that don't make a whole lot of sense, such as, most particular is, Gwen Stacy is dead, supposedly, in this universe, just like she would be, like, in the 616 of pretty much everyone. And it's just like, well, then where did she come from? Where's her universe? There, there's a lot of questions that are a little confusing. Mm-hmm. Most importantly, that really irritates me is the way that Spider-Man Noir is written is horrible. I mean, the Sp- original Spider-Man Noir storyline is fantastic. The character's well-written. Where this one, he's kind of turned into, like, a stereotypical 1920s person who's, like, casually racist and yeah, sexist see? all the time. And, yeah, basically he's doing that all the time. It's just like, it's not how he acts. Why are you doing this? Though I do, the one thing I will say that I do love about this series is President Osborne. Anytime he, or I guess Mayor Osborne, anytime he talks... And just in any type of casual conversation where he would say, like, God, for any reason, is always doom <laughs> instead. Mm-hmm. Uh, up next, we have Giant Size Little Marvel AVX, which is written and drawn by Scotty Young with colors by Jean-Francois Bollier and letters by Jeff Eckleberry. And the Giant Size Little Marvel are sort of these super cartoony, hyper versions of the X-Men and the Avengers. And they've been having a ridiculous rivalry in Marville, fighting over serving food to the kid community and food trucks, which raises questions like, do they have parents and where do they get money from? And a lot of other stuff that doesn't matter. But a pair of twins move into town, and so the Avengers led by Cyclops and or so the X-Men led by Cyclops and the Avengers led by Captain America both want them. It's very fun, but non-essential. If you like Scotty Young art, you know what you're getting. Yeah. Honestly, yeah, I I love it. Yep. Let's see, next up is Extinction Agenda. This one is still pretty cool. Basically, it is, you have the virus that is killing off all of the mutants. As a result, all of them who are still living under Nosher are basically now under quarantine, while all the other mutants are trying to kind of work on a cure, except they don't think they really can, so the other mutants are just going to basically die. If they leave, which Doom says you're not going to do because you're vile mutant scum, because Dr. Doom doesn't really care for those mutants. He believes that it'll kill the rest of the mutants off. And basically, it is basically Havoc trying to... He ends up trying to go to war with the rest of the X-Men to get the components he thinks he needs to stop this infection. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's written by Mark Guggenheim and Carmine Dion. Gian Domenico is on art. 
there's a couple cool scenes. You do get to see the X-Men playing baseball, where Kurt Wagner keep, er, keeps claiming that Kitty Pryde is an easy out, which apparently she is not. <laughs> Uh, up next, we have Miss Deadpool and the Howling Commandos, written by Gary Duggan, with art by Salva Espin and colors by Val Staples. It's set in a battle world realm where Dracula actually killed Deadpool uh, back when uh, Deadpool had been fighting Dracula, which meant that he was unable to marry Shikla, who is the queen of the underworld, so she had to marry Dracula. And so now she's plotting her revenge as she goes on a journey to get a MacGuffin that's going to kill Dracula once and for all. But Dracula sends along his squad of super monsters, the Howling Commandos, who are keeping an eye on her, which includes, like, uh, Man-Thing, Frankenstein, Living Mummy, uh, Werewolf by Night, and a... Uh, Basically, if you guys saw the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon Halloween special, that Howling Commandos. Except it also has a diabetic centaur who has a symbiote. Oh, that's great. Instead of Blade. And, uh... Deadpool, who is a ghost, is narrating the entire storyline and uh, adding commentary in it. And he gets really disappointed because she's not all that upset because they never got married in this universe. Aww. And I love South Espen's work. He did the Wolverine season one that I really liked, and I've enjoyed Duggan's Deadpool, so this is some good, fun monster times. Next up is Years of Future Past. This is written by Marguerite Bennett, with uh, art by Mike Norton. Basically, this continues the whole Days of Future Past storyline. Basically, all mutants have been put into concentration camps. Along with other super people. A lot of other super people. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Sometimes it deviates from the original source material quite a bit because the president is um, Baron Kelly, who seems to be the Baron in a couple of different X-Men universes. Mm -hmm. But more importantly, the entire, at least kicking off point for Days of Future Past is actually because Baron Kelly gets murdered. Mm-hmm. So that one, there was a little logical gap when I was reading this. They, they called in another. Yeah, but but anyway, that yeah, the, it's not a creator there. Basically, instead of it focusing on Kitty Pride, who was the main focus of Days of Future Past, it's actually focusing on her daughter, um, with that she also has with Colossus. And it's just kind of them trying to unite. It kind of feels a little bit actually like Children of Men. Because her daughter is the last mutant to ever be born. Hmm. Where all other mutants have basically been stopped because the Sentinels are like, nope, no more babies. I think not. Cool. Yeah. Uh, we, we then have Weird World, written by Jason Aaron, with art by Mike Del Mundo. And it's Jason Aaron's sword and sorcery project using a bunch of mostly forgotten Marvel properties, starring Archon. Uh, as he explores the world, he fights aquatic apes, he teams up with other characters, and he's facing down Morgana Le Fay. And Mike Del Mundo's art is amazing and weird world, even though I'm sort of like rushing through it because we've been doing this for an hour and a half at this point. Uh, it is great. I want this to be a continuing series or at least like a semi-regular miniseries. They're at least keen doing a little bit because the new Black Knight series that's coming out is going to be taking place in Weird World. This is going to be Mike Damundo art? I don't know. Yeah. At least from the cover, it kind of looked like that. So. Yeah. Well, Marvel has a problem with announcing writers for projects without artists. Yeah. So. I think they did. I just didn't pay attention. I don't even know who's writing them. They did announce the entire team, though. But anyway, next is up is um, Age of Apocalypse. 
basically you have your continuous age of apocalypse story. Apocalypse is still the Baron of the entire world. This one, it's this one's nice for if you didn't really read Age of Apocalypse because it basically did the reset button. So like all the characters and all the big like shifts that have happened in that huge storyline because there's like uh, over a hundred issues taking place with that whole plot. Yeah, that kind of is like a reset button, so everything's back to square one. That said, you do kind of need to have at least a basic because I haven't ever read it, but I know the overarching plot. You do need to kind of know what everything looked like. Basically, this is a world where Charles Xavier has been killed by his own son, Legion, who's attempting to kill Magneto, but kind of messed up. So Magneto is actually the one who's in charge of the X-Men. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, um, I'm not a big fan of the art here. Um, Fabian Nassiza is the writer, but Gerardo Sandoval is the artist. Kind of has a tendency to kind of go for like an anime-ish manga style, but doesn't commit to it all the way, so it's... It's sort of like Umberto Ramos, but less defined. Yes, except for not quite as crazy and over the top. Yeah. Because Umberto Ramos' art, at first, I wasn't the biggest fan of, but it's not necessarily grown on me, but, like, I'm fine with it now. Yeah. Where this art is just, like, mm, everything's... The hair is a little too crazy. Cyclops' hair in this is just a mess. And yeah, so this is not really a great book if you were unfamiliar with the whole Age of Apocalypse storyline. Okay, and then we have uh, two more uh, comics to go over. Where Monsters Well, which was written by Garth Ennis with Russ Braun on art and colors by Dono Sanchez Alamara. And it's the exact comic that men's rights activists would warn you about coming up. Uh, Carl Kaufman, who's the ace macho pilot, uh, he's hired by a, a woman, Clemmy Franklin Cox, who he's pretty much trying to hit on her. He goes, oh, she's a woman, and they've gone into a dangerous uh, world with dinosaurs and stuff, and she's pretty much emasculating him every step of the way. She's the person who will punch out the dinosaur. She's the person who keeps calm under pressure. She's the person who's even happier than he is when they get into the tribe of Am- stereotypical Amazon women. Because she is a uh, lesbian, and it's cheeky fun. It's very, like, tongue-in-cheek, and it doesn't really tie into Secret Wars, but uh, it's good for pissing off people who would get pissed off by this sort of thing because they have no sense of humor. And then... Uh, I do need to read that. Yep. I haven't had a chance to read that. And then uh, the last one you have is one. Oh, I don't think so. Oh. There is one more. It's me saving the best for last. Well, we have second a- best for last. Last for second. Yes. But fine. The last that I'm covering. Is Amazing Spider-Man Renew Your Vows? No. Okay, guys. So remember that time when Mephisto kind of made a deal with Mary Jane? No! It's no! 9.30 almost. I've got to go to bed. No, you don't. Home. We're talking about this now. Remember that time where Spider-Man's marriage to Mary Jane got erased? Yeah. Fuck it. I do too. It was horrible. Well, basically, guys, we get to relive where that never happened. Spider-Man is still married to Mary Jane. They have a beautiful little daughter. Everything is great. There's some evil bad guy who kind of killed every other superhero, and Spider-Man is now kind of pretending he was never one in the first place. And it's basically just a really great character piece of him living with his wife and daughter, 
trying to keep his uh, powers and his daughter, who's also inherited his spider abilities, a secret from the rest of the world, while at the same time trying to maintain his own personal responsibility. One of the great things that you had here was him selling photos of the big bad guys, um, enemies doing bad, or henchmen doing bad things, and him selling the pictures to Jameson for him to actually not publish them because he can't let those get out. Basically, this is a story everyone's been waiting for. It's fantastic. Dan Slott's writing, Adam Kubert's drawing. Beautiful. Uh, I think the story that everyone has actually been waiting for is X-Men 92. I don't think so. By Chris Sims, Chad Bowers, with art by our friend Scott Koblish. Hi, Scott! Hi, Scott! If you're listening to this, message us on Twitter. At MultiverseOQ, or at Coltrag, or at FredFet. Yeah! And uh, it's not the animated series, but it's from that same time period. As the same sort of yeah. like, yeah, it's going for that like general feeling. Yeah, including not being like a lot of swear or do anything like too nasty. Yeah, it it is. If you do, it tells you. Yeah, it is a incredibly good satire slash X Men story. It's like. A smarter version of version of a mojo story almost. Yeah. And like it is amazing as an infinite comic, I haven't seen it as a print comic yet. Me either. And I don't want to get into too far. If you read a lot of X-Men stories, the twist of who the villain is is going to be really good. If you haven't, you're going to be in for an awesome new experience. Uh check out the interviews that we did with both Chris and Chad and Scott. Scott. Yeah, no, this was great. This is one of the first, like, ins- like me delving into the whole Infinite Comics. I did do the Daredevil one that they did and the ones they gave away for AVX. The AVX one was their first attempt at it. So this is kind of like them really getting in the full swing with what you can do with an Infinite Comic. Yeah. And, and that's I mean, cool. Chris and uh, Chad know what they're doing. So. Yeah. And Scott makes all the art just pop. Yeah, it, it is a fantastic pop, pop. collaboration. And so now we're going to get to our list of what you should read uh, for different categories. If you are a Marvel fan, we would suggest Giant Size Little Marvel AVX, X-Men 92, Spider Island, Deadpool Secret Secret Wars. And most importantly, Amazing Spider-Man, Renew Your Vows. Uh, If you're one of those people who wants to read the books that are important for events, what we're pretty sure is important uh, like what's going to be shaping Secret Wars is Future Imperfect, Age of Ultron vs. Marvel Zombies, Infinity Gauntlet, Question Mark, Siege, Guardians of Nowhere, Ultimate End, Question Mark, Inhumans, Adeline Rising, and Star-Lord and Kitty Pride. If you're the type of person who wants to explore the event but isn't necessarily concerned about the story, though... Like what uh, is going to take you through Battle World? Let's uh, get let's get a good like world building yeah. story arc. Uh, yeah. Captain Britain and the Mighty Avengers, Squadron Supreme, Korvac Saga, Old Man Logan, Captain Marvel and the Carol Corps, Thor's, and then the two anthology series. Yeah, are worth picking up because each of those features at least two different universes, one for each story. But if you're a new reader, like if you're trying to go into the comic shop for the first time and you've listened all the way 
through this podcast that's over an hour and a half long, or you're just looking at the list that we're going to post as well, we recommend Weird World, Runaways, and Master of Kung Fu. Yeah. Note how basically none of the major characters are involved in any of those. Mm-hmm. They're all self-contained as far as we've seen now. They're all like fantastic with art and storytelling. Yeah. And they're all very different types of stories. Gosh. Uh, this has been our... Amazing Spider-Man, your New Year Vows is also great for new readers. <laughs> this has been our Secret Wars special. Wait, no, Luke. We still have the question. Luke, what series would you like to see continue on post-Secret Wars? Uh, Captain Britain, the Mighty Defenders... Uh, Spider Island, because I like some of the stuff that it's set up. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, Marvel Zombies, because we need to get an Elsa Bloodstone starring series. Runaways, because we need Runaways going again. Uh, Ghost Racers could be cool. Yeah. Well, basically, I think Amazing Spider-Man, Renew Your Vows, should be an ongoing thing. X-Men 92 I'd actually like to see continue oh, on yeah. as well. I told That'd be Chris really cool. Like X-Men 92 too? Yes, exactly. Yeah, I mean, basically all the ones you said I would like to see again. Um, yeah, Captain Marvel and Carol Core I would certainly like to see continue. The whole Armor War setup is also kind of an mm-hmm. interesting thing. And it's like, So that one's probably going to get wrapped up by the end of this series. Yeah, and I mean, we're getting, uh, like, Old Man Logan, who's going to get his own series. I was going to say Old Man Logan, I didn't mention, because uh, he is getting it. You know, the characters from Infinity Gauntlet, I wouldn't mind seeing them again. Like, as a new way of doing the Nova Corps. Mm-hmm. And, uh... Since, is Richard Rider ever coming back? Who knows? He's still riding that day. He is. And then, oh, uh, I was kind of lost in the negative, though. And then, uh, Weird World. But that's sort of coming back. I think that that's at least, yeah, sort of coming yeah. back. Uh, but yeah, uh, this has been our Secret Wars special. It hurts to talk now. My mouth is very dry. I ran out of slushy about two and a half hours ago, and it's past my bedtime. I was going to search for the Black Knight team right now on Google, but unfortunately, when you type Black Knight into Google, actually not unfortunately, very fortunately, what is the first thing that pops up? The Fantastic Martin Lawrence movie, where he gets sent back in time. Uh, the team for Black Knight, it's gonna be... Oh, yeah, so let's look who it is. Starring Dane Whitman. Uh, with Frank Thierry as the writer. And, oh, yeah, that's it. And illustrations by Luca Fazzari. So, now we know that. Bam, I got you, Luke. I got that first. Well, I got us being able to talk about the classic film star at Martin Lawrence, so. Okay. Also starring Tom Wilkinson. It's late. I gotta drive home. Uh, Multiversal Q's film is sometimes in Devin's house, except that he's moving. Uh, and sometimes in front of a live studio audience. And sometimes in the basement, where there's a heater, and it makes the sound go bad. Where Luke's parents live above him, because he's... So was his parents' basement. I rent an apartment. My parents are moving to New Mexico where they don't have basements, Devin. 
They'll build one just for you. <laughs> Hi, sweetie. Here's your basement. <laughs> when I came home after college, I told my mom I was going to go live in the basement. She's like, you do know that you had a room on the first floor. No, mom. Post-college. Has to be the basement. You're right, Xander. Uh, yeah. You can find me on Twitter at @coltrig. You can find me at @fredofet. Uh, you can find Multiversal Q at at MultiversalQ or at MultiversalQ at Gmail or at MultiversalQ.com where we're going to be posting the image gallery that has images article for all of these <laughs> issues uh, along with our other show notes that we're taking. And uh, yeah, we will see you next week for our regular episode and then for our Fantastic Four movie episodes. So. Isn't it going to be great when we get to do this again when all of Secret Wars is over and we get to give all of our opinions on all of the Secret Wars? We're just going to give a list then of like <laughs> books from best to worst. Yes. Making but, lists are easy. No, we'll just make like a little list and just be like, yes, no, yes, no, no, definitely not. Yes. Uh-huh. And we out.